Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chamat Kosandu from Toronto in Canada. And it might be a little bit of a quiet week when it comes to mixed martial arts, but the combat sports world keeps on turning. And we had a couple of golden oldies in the ring at the week and they took over the narrative. It was, it was a big fighting weekend for Iron Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. The big question, Sandu, did you watch it? Of course I watched it, but it was kind of weird because I was on shift for BT Sport, so my my eyes were absolutely glued to the UFC action on my laptop, but on the projector that I've got blasted on the screen was the Tyson fight via my good friends over at Fight TV who um, hooked up a nice little uh, media code. I appreciate that, so I don't have to actually pay for the pay-per-view myself. Uh, perks the job, I guess, sometimes. Um, but yeah, I watched it, and I tell you what, I wasn't exactly paying attention to every single second. It was kind of like I'd, you know, lift my eyes up, have have a bit of a look, like, see what's going on when there was a break in the action in the UFC, and I I'd, I'd, I'd paid attention as much as I could. And from what I saw, I enjoyed it. Did you watch it, Simon? What was your kind of, I guess, biggest takeaways from what you saw on Saturday night out of that one? I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Wow. I didn't watch it. I think the MMA Junkie Instagram account tweeted something saying, who's going to be paying for the pay-per-view for this? And I just replied, nope. Um, <laughs> because, because here's the thing, right? And I'll let, I'll let you into my inner turmoil for starters, right? I knew what was going to happen in that fight. I predicted it like hours in advance, possibly a day in advance. And did I do anything about it? No, because I'm an idiot, right? <laughs> I said, I the during the week leading up to the fights, um, it all came out. There was a bit of a hoo ha with the comments from Andy Foster because they said there will be no scoring, there will be no winner announced. This is what he said. And I just turned to my wife and said, This is the athletic commission we're talking about. So if there's not going to be a winner announced, what does that tell you about the result of this fight? And they're not going to be, and there's not going to be a knockout. There's going to be a draw, right? So I said, right. I looked online. You could bet on this fight, um, and the odds on the draw were typically, as they are for a boxing match, pretty high. It was like twenty-five to one or something stupid like that. I stupidly didn't put a bet on. I should have put a bet on because I said to my wife, if this fight goes according to the way it's supposed to be run, then this fight is going to go to distance. The celebrity judges, who are former WBC champions, are not going to all give the fight to the same guy because it's going to it's going to be everybody, everyone comes out of this unscathed. No one loses face. This is how it's going to be. I said, this is nailed on. If Unless someone breaks from the script and knocks someone out, this fight will be a draw. I'm an idiot because I didn't bet on it. <laughs> so, but, but also because it wasn't, I looked at this and went, this isn't legit. I'm not watching this. I'm not, why would I stump up money to watch this when there, there was a legit heavyweight title fight, uh, in London earlier in the night that was free. So I was able to watch, um, Joe Joyce beat Daniel Dubois and completely destroy my pre-fight prediction on that one. Um, in, in, in what was a decent, a decent fight, but yeah, this one. I thought I can get everything I want from this from social media afterwards. And social media is undefeated in 2020 and uh, delivered the goods for me. So I saw everything I needed to see. So I'm a happy man. Money was in my pocket. Only annoying thing. 
I didn't follow my hunch and bet on the fight. Right. So you said a lot there, Sai. And I, I need to break it down a little bit because, number one, all the stuff that you said about the commission and everything leading up to it, yes, there was not 100% clarity because both sides were saying different things. I actually think that added to the intrigue of what was going to happen. Number two, normally I'd agree with you. Yes, there's social media. Yes, you can see the highlights on Instagram and Twitter within literally seconds of the action going down. And that's how I would typically, I guess, consume freak show circus events like this. But I'll tell you what, I'm so glad I got to see the events play out the way they did. Because even though I had, you know, you know, both my eyes, not just one eye, both my eyes on the job at hand doing my UFC BT sport shift, the production was fantastic. High level, high level stuff. The way they blacked out everything and you just had this like white ring, it looked spectacular on the broadcast. I thought the commentary team of Mara Ronaldo and Israel Adesanya and even Snoop Dogg, I thought was entertaining as hell. Then they had these musical acts in between the bouts. And early on, I didn't really care because I don't even know who these guys are. All of a sudden, you got Snoop Dogg doing a 20-minute performance, like a mini concert, throwing up some classics like Gin and Juice. I'm bopping my head. I'm like, yeah, I know I'd have paid for that. I'd have paid for yeah, that. Exactly. So that was, that was fun. And the actual fight itself, the two-minute rounds... Eight rounds in total, I thought were perfect. I felt like it allowed Tyson and Jones to get their stuff in and not look too bad, right? Because I felt like if it was three-minute rounds, a 12-round fight, like a proper professional bout, I think by the time we would have got into the you know sixth or seventh round, they would have started to heave. We would have felt bad and sad about what they're going through. And I think the exhibition format worked perfectly here. I don't even care about the fact that it was declared a draw because there were people online debating, discussing of who won, who didn't win. I'm less concerned about that. It was pure fun, enjoyment and entertainment. Like if they declared a winner, what does that mean? It's not as if they're going to go fight Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury or something like that, right? This is a fun event. And I think it was a home run for Triller. I think it was a home run for anyone that was involved. Um, and I feel, I feel like we're going to get more. And I tell you what, I'm in. I'm actually in. If they want to do a, events like this a couple of times a year, and if they can cherry pick their dates, where they're not going head to head with a major UFC pay-per-view, for example, or they're picking a weekend like this past weekend in America, it was Thanksgiving. So everyone's, you know, at home. I mean, they're at home anyway because of COVID, but, you know, more often than not, Thanksgiving, family and friends get together. It's something to do on a Saturday night. And I, I had a really good time from what I saw. So I think a lot of people came out of this past weekend associated with this Tyson Jones Jr. fight. And they're probably waking up on Monday morning really happy and pleased with what went down and what transpired. Because we saw what happened, what was it, last year or two years ago now? With the Liddell-Ortiz fight and uh, Oscar De La Hoya's uh, promotion, Golden Boy. That was just crap. From, from the jump, everything about that was absolute crap, including uh, the fight itself. We felt so bad for Liddell, right? Um, and look, there are always going to be risks involved. We could have come out of this weekend thinking, oh, that wasn't enjoyable. That I, mean, I felt a bit uneasy about that. And that may very well be the case moving forward with maybe other fights that includes legends. But we can only look back at what we saw this past weekend, and I had a good time. Good. I mean... I Part of this, I, and I, I hold my hands up completely to this, part of that is, is me being a grumpy old bugger, right? Because <laughs> 
because I'm like I'm looking I'm looking at the fight card. Maybe I'm I'm used to watching too much um, mixed martial arts where I don't judge a card by the main event now. I judge a card by the depth of the card, um, and I look I look for what else is going on. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose there was a bit of intrigue in there. Ironically, the fight that I was most interested to see never actually took place. So um, it was going to be Vidal Riley, who's a British boxer who trained KSI for the, his two fights with Logan Paul. Um, he was due to face Rashad Coulter, who fought, uh, I think, two or three times in the UFC. Um, that fo- that fight got binned, I think. Uh, I think Riley pulled out and they've drafted somebody else in and then the fight didn't happen at all. Um, but yeah, I mean... These things are what they are. I just don't think. I think the name value is what gets people to the, to you know, to their phones or to their you know their computer screens to actually buy these things. And and I think if you put me in front of it, I'll sit there and watch it as as avidly as the next person. It's like, do I want to stay up until stupid o'clock in the morning, and pay money for something that really isn't going to scratch my itch in terms of what I want to see, um, and. Uh, that's probably why I didn't go for it in the end. But um, if these guys can make money and they can do it safely and everything's, you know, and it's run properly, all power to them, you know. I am worried when I see things like Evander Holyfield wanting to fight because I worry that he has taken too many punches in his in his life already. I don't know if he's somebody who an athletic commission should really be signing off to fight again. With all due respect to him, he is an absolute legend. But I would, uh, he's one guy I would feel uncomfortable seeing him getting back in there again. But, um, but yeah, the one thing, the one thing I do think that there is room for, um, and this might fly in the face slightly of what I was saying earlier, is these YouTuber type fights where we had Jake Paul in 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 the uh, the co-main event against former NBA player Nate Robinson. Um, Jake Paul's fought a couple of times now. He fought an English YouTuber on the undercard of the uh, KSI Logan Paul card. And there's no doubt about it. These guys draw a crowd. These guys can pull some numbers. And the KSI Logan Paul fights, whether you liked them or whether you hated them, and I, I fully bought in on the, on both of those fights, partly through intrigue. And the second one was really to see how much better they could do it second time around in, under professional rules. And they did a really good job. Um, Eddie Hearn promoted the second one and it went it went really well. I do think there is a place in the sport for this. I really do. I think I think it, if it's managed well and it's done properly and people are matched accordingly, then I think it's great. I mean, like hearing Jake Paul talk about wanting to fight people like Conor McGregor is just ludicrous, right? Because But you know what he's doing. Of course. You know, yeah, exactly. Of so course. you can't hate him on that. You know what he's doing. Absolutely. He's, Absolutely. He's going to get headlines and everyone's talking about it. Even the MMA websites are like, you look at him, he's calling it out because they want the traffic too. Absolutely. But it is also absolutely bonkers right I like, was it bonkers that conor mcgregor was trying to get the floyd mayweather fight way back when like, he got he things, got the fight he, he got the fight but and the i diff- think the difference listen, is the difference with that is conor mcgregor was an elite level athlete and a world champion in his in his sport which had some parallels to the sport that he wanted to compete in jake paul runs around pulling pranks on people on youtube 
It's not the but same. I like, it's not the I like, same. I like his angle. I like his angle. He's he, he's like Conor McGregor's gonna be later. Let's do Dylan Dennis first. Let's get one of Conor's boys in there. Dylan Dennis, who's only fought in MMA like what couple of times, right? And that will be a, the biggest fight that Dylan Dennis can get right now. I mean, the eyeballs, he, you know, on that fight would be would be great. But the thing is about Jake Paul. And look, I'm not exactly a Jake Paul fan or a Logan Paul fan. I know they're YouTubers. They're very good at what they do. They bring eyeballs to it. And in fact. The traffic that I saw on social media, we haven't seen any reported figures in terms of how well this event did on pay-per-view, but I can tell you from just looking at social media metrics, this was on par with a very successful UFC pay-per-view. So it, it done the numbers, and I, and I still think that was led by the intrigue of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is still a draw in 2020, and I think his stock went up. Like, I feel like enough people tuned in. Like, I was talking to my, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. They were like, wow, 54, he can still go. And they tuned in, right? And so I feel like, you know, like you said, you have a nice mixture. If you have a Tyson headline, maybe you have a couple of, you know, prospects on the undercard. Throw a freak show like uh, a, a Jake Paul, a Logan Paul fight in the mix with other YouTubers or Twitch streamers or whatever you want to call it. Everyone's bringing in different crowds. And then all of a sudden, it means that together you've got a lot of success. But look, Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor, I don't ever see it happening. But I, I just give Jake Paul credit for, again, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this almost every single week where fighters win the UFC and they don't use the time to just say something that's going to get you the headlines Monday morning. Forget Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and build build your name build some intrigue into a future fight, even if there's no chance of it happening, right? That's what Jake Paul did. And so kudos to him for that. Yeah, if there was a, if there was one UFC fighter that I wouldn't mind seeing getting in amongst all this lot, um, Platinum Mike Perry, just, just, just throw him in there, just for shits and giggles. <laughs> like he's got, he's got BKFC written all over him. Like when he's, when he's done with the UFC or when the UFC are done with him, you can imagine him going into bare knuckle and being, being a, a bit of a a bit of a draw in bare knuckle, but he you know he, he has boxed professionally before. Yeah, he you know who knows you know he he's someone who you could imagine him have he's got enough MMA name and clout to move into something like that and actually become a real star. I mean, like this, all of this sort of throws me back to years ago. Do you remember Butterbean? Yeah. He was the, he was the king of the three rounders, and uh, he was never going to win a world title. He was never going to be um, like a pound for pound star. He was never going to hold loads of belts around his waist. But what he did, he did really well, and he had loads of he had loads of fights that were like little showcase fights that were on fight cards leading up to big fights, and he he made a really good career out of it and made a load of money um, and. Uh, Imagine that, but with a massive YouTube following, and that's what some of these some of these guys, you know, like the Paul brothers, they can do this. They can do this. So I don't mind seeing that. I think I think they need to kind of, without being weird about it, they kind of need to stay in their lane a little bit in terms of where they go and and and, and who they fight against. I mean, because they could get badly hurt, and you don't need that. That's not good for them. It's not good. It's not good for the sport. But you could you could bring people in from other sports to to compete against them, which is exactly what they did with Nate Robinson. So I think, I think there is, you know, crossover stuff like that. It kind of works. And clearly 
in terms of the Paul brothers, having seen both of them fight on more than one occasion, they take it seriously enough in terms of their training and they go in there and they're prepared. And that's all you can ask. Yeah. And then just flipping it back to the main event, though, I said Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., they both came through. It was technically declared a draw, even though if you were, I guess, scoring the fight, I think most sane people that know what they're looking at uh, score the fight for Tyson. That being said, Roy Jones came out there unscathed, didn't get knocked out, didn't get knocked down. And talking about future events, crossovers and all the rest of it, you've got Anderson Silva, who is a free agent right now. And we've already seen one championship, Bellator, all say, thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to be in the Anderson Silva business. You've had Ryzen potentially say, you know, we'll, we'll have a word. Let's, let, let's have a conversation and see where it goes, basically. And although there is a typical New Year's Eve card probably coming around the corner, so let's see what happens there. But Anderson Silva's talked about, you know, boxing Roy Jones Jr. for years, right? Roy Jones has just got into shape for this Tyson fight. So I'm sure he's in the best shape he's been in in a while. Anson Silva, albeit coming off, uh, you know, a litany of losses, is still in fairly good shape. If they were going to do this event again in a couple of months or early 2021, Tyson versus, you know, pick your lot, whether it's a Holyfield or, or somebody else, right? Headlining the card. I think you have to bring Tyson back to headline the card, number one. Co-main event, Anson Silva, Roy Jones Jr., you definitely check off that MMA fan base, that UFC fan base that will tune in purely to see Anton Silva box uh, and see him in a completely different environment. And then, yeah, like we've just discussed, Logan Paul, KSI, Jake Paul, maybe a few prospects on the undercard, throw in a few concert-type performances, and it's a good time. And who knows, maybe next time they actually put on an event like this, it'll be ready for fans. You know, it was interesting that they were able to pull this off without any fans, which I actually think helped because they were able to control the production so much. And I thought some of the visuals with the camera, the way it panned and the, the transitions from backstage to the commentary team back to the ring and, and all the special get overall, the production was absolutely outstanding. And, and, and you know what? It's different. Like some people don't like that. Some people like the the UFC. I know Dana's not a big fan of like all the bells and whistles with like, you know, performances and, and giant screens and, and all that kind of stuff. Bellator do like that. They like the giant screens and the video package playing in the background and fireworks, pyrotechnics. Um, but for these guys, I thought it worked out really, really well. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in for the next one. And I guess if anybody did miss out on this past weekend, I would encourage you to try to maybe go out of your way to watch the next one. Because even though this is more of a, a Legends showcase, I'm very curious to see where Triller goes down the road if they're going to dabble in combat sports a little bit more. You know, Because I think the infrastructure's there, the money's there. They know what they're doing, I guess, behind the scenes from a production standpoint. They were very smart to bring in Israel Adesanya, Great job getting Mauro Ronaldo. I mean, talk about someone that's ready and available to call the action in combat sports. And then, yeah, Snoop Dogg with a cherry on the cake with uh, you know some fantastic zingers. So, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And again, listen, it was against a very weak UFC card this weekend anyway, which we're going to get to in a minute. So they, they really picked, um, you know, a great weekend. And even with the, the Blades-Lewis main event that was originally in its spot, I don't think anything was going to take away from the attention they were getting with Tyson coming back. So the long, like, long story short, I've been a miserable bugger and I should have just watched the thing. That's <laughs> Listen, next time, I'm going to have a word with my friends at Fight. I'm like, listen, 
You need to hook up my friend and my colleague, Simon Head, so he can watch the fight for free uh, using your you know, coupon code and we can take it from there. Oh, dear. But if, if Snoop Dogg's involved and he, he's, he's spitting some lyrics between fights, then that, that, that just that raises the bar straight away. So um, Exactly. But anyway, right. Um, apparently Snoop described it, it as uh, looking like two of his uncles fighting at a barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And the thing is, we've seen this at on the, the Snoop series. Contender Series. First exactly. Season. Yeah. I think a lot of other people, perhaps that didn't tune into those contender fights to hear him, heard him for the very first time on commentary. And I think a lot of people felt like Snoop Dogg was the biggest winner coming out of this fight because they just really enjoyed what he brought to the commentary team. Amazing. Amazing. Um, there was a former world champion on that card other than Tyson and Jones Jr. Badu Jack, former, I think he was a light heavyweight world champion, picked up a win on that card as well. So, And I think, if I remember rightly, it might have been the KSI Logan Paul card, they had, um, I think Badu Jack might have fought on that card as well. So he's not averse to putting himself a little bit further down the bout order on some of these big events. I think that's smart because he's obviously getting the benefit of the exposure. So all good news. Um, that was the dominant event of the weekend. And the reason for that, partly, they picked a good weekend to hold that. Because as you say, the UFC show, not the strongest, suffered a late, a late issue Heading into fight night, I think it was like two days before or something, Curtis Blaze tested positive for COVID. Uh, wasn't enough time to even consider bringing someone else in to face Derek Lewis. I mean, just turning the testing around and everything would have been would have been uh, virtually impossible. So uh, the Black Beast got to enjoy a little bit of Thanksgiving turkey after all, um, but didn't end up fighting, which was a bit of a shame. But... Um, we still had an event. Anthony Smith and Devin Clark moved from the co-main to the main event. And it, it passed off pretty much how most people expected. Anthony Smith getting the win. Triangle choke submission. Got it done early. Devin Clark um, has, has shown plenty of uh, durability and resilience over the last the last year or so. Um, but I think he kind of found that there are levels and he he just wasn't quite at the level of Anthony Smith, who went in there, I think, knowing that he had to get a big win. And uh, he did just that and proved himself that he's still a factor at £205. I just felt good for Anthony Smith, you know, considering what how, how 2020 has treated him. He's obviously had a couple of losses and you kind of think to yourself, you know, he had, he had that title fight against Jones and he could have easily done the dirty, right, and won that fight. But he chose to to be a, a a bigger man, a better man, and try and do it legitimately. Um, but here he is, coming off a couple of losses in 2020. He's got the commentary gig with the UFC. Was well, I say commentary? It's more of an analyst role. Um, it's a desk job. Um, I'm sure, which has been happy to kind of get that experience under his belt. And look, credit to him and to Devin Clark for both agreeing to a step up to the main event, but more importantly, five rounds. That you know. The UFC likes to make sure that the, the main event is billed and promoted as a five-round fight because that's what a main event should be, right? And kudos to Anthony Smith, man. Two and a half minutes, gets the job done, comes out completely unscathed. Saw Paul Craig, Simon, just perform, what, a week ago? Got a nice big result. He calls out Anthony Smith on social media. Good. And you know what? I want to give Paul Craig some credit here. This is something that if I was managing a fighter or had a conversation with a fighter, I would always say, listen, if there's someone in and around 
your neck of the woods with regards to rankings or someone you feel as though you should be fighting next to kind of raise your stock when they're competing and when they're fighting have your phone on standby make sure you're ready to fire something off to just jump into the news cycle because paul craig does that anthony smith is asked about that in the post-fight press conference by the media and then all of a sudden you've got a response and i'll tell you what i actually like that fight a lot for both guys I think for Paul Craig, it's a step up in competition. It's a step up with, with regards to somebody, you know, higher higher rank than you are. And I think for Anthony Smith, it's also a nice um, check. Let's see where you're really at. You know, Devin Clark was a nice win. You've got Paul Craig coming in with a hell of a lot of momentum right now, who just beat Shogun Hua. Let's see if you can... And, and I think Anthony Smith is still in that momentum building stage. You know, you come in off a couple of losses. You get one win, cool. But now let's see if you can string together two three four wins with guys in the top 10 top 15 to then see if you can really make another charge for that title so i love that matchup by the way yeah i mean that was a gift from the gods for for paul craig we spoke about it on last week's show and i wrote about it on uh, on mma junkies uh call out collection last week um i thought paul craig was in a tricky spot because you look at the light heavyweight division and you look at all the guys around him between he's he's now at rank 14 because he's now He's bumped Shogun out of that spot. Um, he's ranked at 14. And you look at the guys above him, you've got Jimmy Crute, who's already beaten him. You've got, you've got a guy who he's already beaten, who there's no point in him fighting again. And everybody else is largely booked up. So, Or they're coming off wins. So how are you going to persuade someone coming off a win to fight down the weight class to take you on when they're already on their way up as well? So for Anthony Smith to do what he did, and to go in there and get the win over un- unranked opposition and turn around and say, you know, this doesn't this doesn't prove anything. I just did what I was supposed to do. I now need to get back to fighting ranked opposition. And I understand if I have to go down to the bottom end of the rankings to work myself back up. That's a guy who has no ego about him at all and is very realistic in terms of his situation. But this is a guy who's ranked on the official UFC rankings, as I'm looking at him right now, he's equal sixth in the UFC light heavyweight rankings. That is way higher than any anyone we were considering for Paul Craig when we were initially looking at his options. I think we were looking at um, Johnny Walker and Misha Serkinov were the two names that he talked about himself in the post-fight press conference. And I sort of settled on Serkinov as being probably the best option for him. Um, but now he's got the potential of taking on a guy who is ranked, not just ranked sixth, but a guy who's ranked sixth and not all that long ago was challenging for the belt. Um, it, it is the perfect next fight for Paul Craig. It's if Anthony Smith likes likes his own skills on the mat. Paul Craig obviously trusts his skills on the mat as well. That's a fight that could end up going into the grappling territory. I mean, Anthony Smith even referred to it in the post-fight press conference this weekend as that would be a fun grappling matchup. So that being the case, Paul Craig's eyes must have lit up when he said that. And I hope the UFC book it because as you say, it's a good fight for Anthony Smith. It's an opportunity for him to get a win over lower ranked, but ranked opposition and then uh, rebound and rebuild for Craig it is that opportunity to potentially gate crash the top top six, top five in the division. So it works out perfectly. I hope they book it. Um, and um, for me, that was probably the biggest takeaway from that main event because 
it really does potentially give both guys the perfect next fight. And it doesn't always work out that way, but I thought that worked out really well. Um, that was the main event. The co-main event saw a rising prospect who looks like he could be a little bit special. Uh, Miguel Baeza, Caramel Thunder, great fighting name, um, beating Takashi Sato, arm triangle choke, second round, Super impressive. I mean, he's been in the U. He, he won in the contender series. He got a decision on the contender series. Joined the UFC. He's had three fights in the UFC. All finishes. He's in welterweight, which is one of those weight classes where the guys at the top have kind of been around a little bit, um, and it's hard to sort of crack that that group at the top. Maybe over the course of the next twelve to eighteen months, someone like Miguel Baeza could develop into someone who could potentially go in and threaten some of those guys. Uh, I think he's like 27, 28 years of age. He's coming into his fighting prime. He's clearly in great form. I mean, he hasn't lost. He's 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 in great form. So yeah, he's definitely in good form. But in terms of his appearances in the UFC, he's in very good form because he's not just winning fights. He's finishing them and he got a good finish in the co-main on Saturday. Yeah, and like you said, co-main, right? Due to circumstances, he got a bump up as well. And we know that Dana White, you know, loves to try and push anyone coming off the contender series because it's got his name on the banner for that particular show. And yeah, look, another guy to be excited about at welterweight, undefeated, 10-0, off to the perfect start in the UFC with three finishes on the trot. He dedicated his win to his cousin, who tragically you know, passed away recently. I had no idea about that until he obviously um, spoke about it in that post-fight interview with Paul Felder. But yeah, just a, another, another guy to look out for and... A lot of guys on that main card really didn't perform, I would say, to, I guess, their own expectations. We had a fair amount of decisions. But to end the show with back-to-back finishes, I thought, done the world of good, not just for the UFC, but for the guys in question, Anthony Smith and Miguel Baeza. Yeah, definitely. Um, As you say, there were some decisions on the main card. Parker Porter and Josh Parisian... um, not a bad heavyweight fight, to be honest. You sort know, of a knocker. It was. It was. Say. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't very refined, was it? You know, if 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 yeah. you're a purist of uh, of of the striking arts, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have been overly excited by what you saw. But it was an all right fight. I mean, heavyweight fights can, especially when they go that that long, can be a little bit bad by the time you get to the third round. But credit to them, they both kept going. Parker Porter, who actually fought John Jones in I think it was a like second professional fight back in 2008 um, and has been on the scene a long time. Uh, I know there's a lot of people very happy for him that he's finally got his shot in the UFC. He lost his debut. He's now got himself a win. Josh Parisian was making his debut having got through the contender series. I think he was suffering from fight fight night jitters because I think he can fight better than that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does next time around. The fight before them was one that we had down as a potential fight of the night. Uh, there wasn't a fight of the night, actually, looking at the bonuses. Bill Algio versus Spark Carlisle. A decent fight. Bill Algio getting the win. Um, just b- better cardio at the end of the day. Won that fight for Bill Algio. Uh, Norman Dumont beat Ashley Evans-Smith, who I'm a little worried about. I don't know if you how close you watched that fight. At points, it looked like Ashley was almost sort of suffering a mini breakdown during the fight. She seemed to be struggling with her emotions during that fight. Um, it was quite difficult to watch at points, I thought. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Simon. I think this may have been a uh, you know the moment <laughs> during the main card where I was kind of maybe looking up at the Tyson card. Listen, 
I done my job for BT Sport. I didn't really miss any moments. I didn't miss any finishes. I, I done my job, right? But look, at the same time, I'm still a fight fan. And I was so intrigued by what was going on on the Tyson Jones, you know, event that um, I probably missed some of what you just described in regards to Ashley Evan Smith. So, you know, look, I don't think when it comes to the fan base, just given you know, what reasons she's been in the news cycle for over the last year, she's got much sympathy from folks um, with regards to some of the antics and things that she's got up to. But listen, man, the combat sports and the fight game, it's uh, if, you, if you're not tough enough for it emotionally, it's not the place you want to be, you know. And if you've got emotional baggage, things going on, you know, personal life, outside of the cage, whatever it may be, your opponent does not care. When that cage door closes, it's kill or be killed. That's just how it is. Um, so if she's perhaps maybe going through something mentally, emotionally at the moment, it might be time to just, you know, take a, a step back, reevaluate things and, and see if um, this is a career you want to continue to pursue. Because if it is, your mind has to be completely there, 100% sharp and emotional breakdowns mid-fight are just not good for anyone involved. No, definitely not. I mean, she's been in the UFC since 2014, actually, Evan Smith. Um, and uh, she got well beaten on Saturday night by, by Norma Dumont. Um, the only other fight I wanted to very, very quickly mention was... Um, Another female fighter was on the card. It was on the prelims. Gina Mazzani beating Rachel Ostovich. Um, looks, as, looks as though Rachel Ostovich has been planning for life away from the UFC. Uh, she's launching calendars and websites and all this sort of stuff. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what her fighting career does next. I could imagine Bellator potentially offering her a, a little run there, but who knows? Um, Gina Mazzani, though, debut at flyweight. She's had a tough run of results. Got her first win, was joking in the post-fight press conference saying, I'm undefeated at flyweight. It was her first fight at flyweight. Um, but the, the reason why I just wanted to mention that is we've got a real insight into just how good of a coach um, James Krause is. Because James Krause um, only recently started working with Gina Mazzani. Gina switched camps. I think she was at Extreme Couture before. Um, now training with, uh, with James Krause. And some of the corner work I thought was great. I thought, it's the thing I really like about watching the UFC, especially at the moment during this COVID era, you really get to hear those interactions in the corner. Um, and it's a real insight into the life of a fighter and the job that a corner man does. They've got 60 seconds and there's different ways of going about it. And sometimes you can overload your fighter with information. You're doing this wrong. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And then you sort of slap them on the back, get back out there. And like, they're all frazzled. They don't know what to do. Kraus was brilliant. He calmed he calmed down Gina Mazzani, who looked at points as if she was a little bit panicky in the corner, calmed her down, gave her a couple of really good key pointers to go out there and, and perform in the next round. She went out there, did it, and got a good finish. You know, body kicks will fold you up every time. And uh, toes to the liver did the job for Gina Danger Mazzani. So, yeah, as you say, not the biggest of... Uh, of fight nights. Um, it was one of those where if you're a hardcore fight fan, you'll stay up and watch it. If not, there's every chance you probably look to catch it on, uh, on catch up on BT or, or on fight pass. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those, we're kind of filling a little bit of time before some more big fights come up later in the year. And it's a, a little bit like that 
um, this weekend as well, Sandu, with uh, a card. I think this weekend's card is better than last weekend's card for sure. But again, we haven't got it. You know, we haven't got that that massive star power, have we, for this one? No, we don't. And and this is, you know, we've talked about it, you know, a while back. Las Vegas just isn't the same as Fight Island. You know, there, there's issues cropping up every single week. Sometimes it's the week of, sometimes it's the day of the weigh-ins, sometimes it's day off, as we saw, you know, this past weekend. So, look, Jack Manson is going to fight Marvin Vittori now, right? And it's still a, a big fight, and it's still a, a fight that Jack Manson obviously would want to win to keep that momentum going. It won't do, I guess, as much as it would have done uh, before. And I guess... I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about the Hermanson Vittori fight? Because um, it's great for Vittori. He's just sorted himself into a main event spot. But Jack Hermanson was going to fight Darren Till. You know, that's 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 huge. I mean, and that would have got so many more eyeballs on it. And you know, Kevin Holland was a bit of a step down, but not too much, as given I guess the run he's had. Like we're talking about, you know, him. You know, and obviously he's been rebooked. Um, and he's in a fight, um, you know, a couple of weeks later. But that would have been a much more of a meaningful fight versus Marvin Vittori. But yeah, I still don't know how to feel about this in terms of stakes and, and what it does for Jack Hermanson's, you know, stock if he if he was to win. For Vittori's stock, yeah, great. You know, you you, you just beat Jack Hermanson. Yeah, he's someone that's, you know, highly ranked. Your name's right in the mix then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's kind of sucks at the moment for Jack Hermanson. As you say, it was going to be Darren Till. And then when it wasn't Darren Till, it was going to be Kevin Holland. And Kevin Holland, I was gutted for Kevin Holland because I thought he's finally getting the chance he deserves. That would have been his fifth fight in 2020, Sandu, if Kevin Holland had made the ball this weekend. Um, and he's won all four of his previous fights this year. So he's like, he's on a run. He's playing a hot hand in 2020. Um, he's taking fights at short notice and getting wins and looking good. Um, he's got uh, One of those wins was a knockout of uh, Joachim Buckley as well so you know he's also got a bit of hype behind him as well so he's he's done the business and i think that that would have been a really good entertaining fight the marvin vittori fight i think is a really tough fight for jack manson marvin vittori took israel adesanya the distance he wants a rematch with israel adesanya obviously um he fancies his chances in uh in a rematch but getting yourself into that position is a tough ask at 185 pounds. You've got to beat the right people. And this one's fallen out of the sky and landed in his lap. Um, I think he was due to face uh, Jacare Souza. Um, and basically he's been promoted from that Jacare Souza fight to face Jack Hermanson. And uh, Kevin Holland, who was going to have this fight because of the COVID issue, is now going to be fighting uh, Jacare Souza instead. So they've basically swapped opponents. But... Um, yeah, for Vittori, this is this is this is a perfect fight for him. Uh, he can go in there. He was already preparing. He's just having to ramp things up a little bit earlier now. Uh, for Jack Hermanson, there's not a lot to gain from this, really, other than just chalking up another win. If he'd beaten Darren Till and beaten him in the style in which he he's won some of his recent fights, he'd be screaming title shot. You can't scream title shot with all due respect to Marvin Vittori, who is as tough as they come. You can't scream title shot after beating Mar- Marvin Vittori, who is your second substitute opponent. It, it just, you can't do it. 
So what it basically does, a win for Jack Hermanson just keeps him where he is. You yeah, know, keeps him active. You know what I mean? It just puts another. Yeah. It just puts another win in his record if he wins. Um, if he loses, it's a disaster. Um, but it's a tough one. I mean, he's in a position where he it, it's it's a tough one to turn around and say, "No, I'm not taking that fight," because in in the current climate right now, all the UFC wants to do is give the people who want fights fights. Um, we've seen, you know, there are other fighters out there who maybe have been a bit more selective and haven't had the opportunity. So Jack knows he needs to take this fight. It's a tough fight for him. All he can do at this point is go out and win. Um, that's the main event. Um, I'm expecting to see a big performance from Hermanson. He will be, given that he was preparing for Darren Hill, you would expect him to be in insanely good shape for this and sharp. So we'll see how that one goes on Saturday. Co-main event is an interesting one. Ovin St. Prue versus Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill is decent. He's uh, I've actually picked him to win this fight, even though I think he's he might be the betting underdog going into this. OSP's been around forever, but um, that's that's an interesting one. At, at light heavy, it's like it's like the old guy who's been there or thereabouts. Like the, he's basically a gatekeeper at this point. OSP, and you've got Jamal Hill, who is still very green when it comes to his UFC career, has been handed a huge opportunity to try and break his way um, into the conversation at 205 pounds, where there is a lot going on right now. Uh, so that that one's of interest. I don't know whether that one grabs you, Sandu, but if it doesn't, what what else on that card is leaping out to you? Is anything leaping out to you when you look down that bout list? I want to be completely honest here with our audience and listeners. I don't want to just say a fight for the sake of saying a fight, but the, the God-honest truth is no. This is this is a pretty weak card. It's this is back to back weak cards from the UFC, and it's no knock on them, or the matchmakers. We all know that their hands are tied with regards to roster availability. The only reason Paul Craig was able to fight a week ago is he's actually got a US visa already in place and he's able to travel. Uh, it's not the case with everybody, right? Um, and so a lot of these guys are based in the US. Uh, they're they're local. They're able to jump in and and all the rest of it. But look, ask any hardcore MMA fan to pick any number of these fighters in a lineup and they wouldn't be able to. That's just the way it is. It's, it's the truth, right? Um, we, we, we all know Jean Volante. He's a bit of a, a fun character and a, and, a, and a fun personality. He's going to be fine get heavyweight. He'll probably have his dad bod on display at the weigh-ins like he did last time, right? But that's just the way it is. Um, this is all about that main event. Uh, and, and and even the main event's taken a knock. And honestly, Simon, we don't even know. Uh, I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. There used to be a time way back before COVID-19 was a thing when I would legitimately get excited about a fight announcement. It could be a fight booked and it's a few months away and I'm rubbing my hands together, licking my lips, can't wait. This is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Now... I don't really care. I'm, I'm honest. I don't care for fight announcements because we don't know if that fight's actually going to take place. I don't even care about getting to fight week or even the weigh-ins anymore. I genuinely look at the fight card the morning on fight day. When I wake up on a Saturday, I'm like, right, what are we looking at? Now I can start to really emotionally invest in the potential fights on the card in a few hours from now. The only exception to this rule are title fights and 
major blockbuster pay-per-view, i.e. the return of Conor McGregor fighting Dustin Poirier. When there's a title fight or, or a fight like McGregor-Poirier announced in advance, those are the ones where I'm going to get really emotionally invested in. And if those fights fall out, yeah, that's going to make me feel really bad and I'll, I'm going to start to get really gutted uh, that a fight's fallen out. Every other fight is just par for the course and it's the world we live in right now. Yeah, it's kind of that once bitten, twice shy thing, isn't it? I mean, this, you know, there are so many, so many uh, potential issues between a fight booking and the fight actually going ahead. So, you know, we've seen it so often in this COVID era. There are genuinely two fights I'm interested in that I Go haven't on. mentioned. I'll chuck them in there because uh, the the first main card fight between Movsar Ivaluev and Nate Landwehr could be good. I think that could be good. Nate Landwehr. Um, out Darren Elkins, Darren Elkins in his last fight. Um, he's that kind of guy. He's a madman, right? He he will shout in your face while punching you in it at the same time. He's he's a crazy man. Former M1 global champion, and uh, yeah, he's a nutcase. He's fun to watch, but the guy he's fighting is one of the sharpest, least known fighters in the featherweight division. He's world-class. Movsar Ivaluev is a serious problem at 45. Nobody wants to fight him. That's why they've given him Nate the Train Lamware because Nate will fight anybody, anywhere. Um, I think Ivaluev is going to be a serious, serious threat in the next 18 months at £145. So watch out for that one. Uh, and the other one is the, uh, where is it? The flyweight fight between Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden. I watch a lot of contender series, right? So I like watching that. I also watch some of the like LFA and all of that stuff as well. And uh, this is a fight between two flyweight prospects who have got a lot of potential. Cody Durden um, is is on a on a good run, um, and uh, I don't think he's lost. I think I think I think he's he's got an eight fight eight fight unbeaten run. I think he drew on his UFC debut, but he's he's decent at twenty five. And Jimmy Flick is the former LFA champion. His last eight wins, he's, he's, he's had a few losses in amongst them, but his last eight wins have all come by stoppage. I think all of them have come by submission. So he's a submission machine. That one is a good one to watch for a potential uh, post-fight bonus. I think that, that one could be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, John Vellante versus Jake Collier. I can't imagine that troubling the bonus uh, check writers for some reason. I just don't think that's going to be too great. But Evil Wave, I'm really looking forward to see. Um, he's he's probably the one guy on the card. If I could pick one name, he's the guy I'm most interested in seeing on Saturday night. Movsar Evluev, um sharp as attack. Um, but that is our is our slate of fights this week. We've got a one championship event, mostly kickboxing, Sandu. So you know, but uh, Gary Tonin is fighting. Um, in, in a featherweight MMA fight against, uh, oh, crikey, I can't remember. I can't remember. It's a South Korean guy, I think, or a Japanese guy. Um, but Gary Tonin is probably one win away from getting a shot at a belt in one championship. So um, obviously we know all about his jiu-jitsu. He's now beginning to fall in love with his hands. So, um, But he's in there. He's going in there with a legit contender next. So um, I'll probably be watching that on Friday. But yeah, it's a quiet week. It's a quiet We've got no Bellator. Obviously, obviously no PFL, uh, no domestic MMA to speak of. Next week, that all changes. We've got Bellator back. Cage Warriors are holding a trilogy of events. 
uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week, so we can have a bit of a preview of that on next week's show. Uh, plus, obviously, we have the UFC as well. So, if this is a week to sort of take us to sort of take a step back, reintroduce yourself to the family a little bit, I don't think anyone would blame you. But um, there are, you know, there are a few intriguing fights to check out uh, on Saturday night, nonetheless. Yeah, look, we're in the final stretch. That's what it is. It's the final stretch of 2020. After this weekend, there's only two more UFCs, and they're good. It's a pay-per-view, right, with Figueredo versus Moreno, just recently signed and done. And then we've got the return of Tony Ferguson. And who isn't, you know, excited about that? And then we're going to end the year with just an absolute stacked fight night card that's comparable to or even better than some pay-per-view offerings from the UFC in the past. And as things currently stand, officially, Edwards versus Kimaev is still on. Let's see. There's been some reports of, you know, the fight falling out and, you know, Hamza not being able to uh, participate in this one. But let's see. Let's see how this week unfolds. I'll be gut- that here, here you go. That's one fight I'd be absolutely gutted if that one fought, fell apart because I'd feel real bad for Leon Edwards. He needs this fight because he hasn't fought in Yonks, number one. And Hamza has, is the guy that's had all the hype behind him this year. And I'm putting this out there now, Simon, before anybody else. If Leon Edwards beats Hamza Shemaev, he is my official comeback fighter of the year 2020 because... Given what he's been through, he was supposed to fight in London. He was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley when Tyron Woodley's stock was a, a lot higher than it is currently. And he was removed from the rankings. He's been absolutely bashed on social media. You've got Gilbert Burns, who's kind of leapfrogged him into a situation where he probably will get a tire shot before him, right? He's had to fight someone like Kimaya, who's been jumping up and down a weight class, who isn't ranked, I don't believe, uh, in the welterweight division, right? So for him to take the fight and win... Given what he's been through this year, he would be my comeback fighter of the year. So I'm going to put it out there now before anybody else does. There you go. And Chimaev, uh, I think, breakout fighter of the year. He's he's an absolute lock yes, for that. Yes, either way. Absolute wins, lock for that. Done. Yeah. Irrespective absolutely. of of the uh, of the result on that on that fight card. But yeah, big fights coming up to end uh, end 2020, and um, we are we are making cunning plans behind the scenes to. Uh, Make the Brit Pack bigger and better as we uh, as we head into 2021. Uh, we'll 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 give you the news as and when we are we are good to go with some of this stuff. But we're making a few little changes. We're making a few little improvements, and uh, hopefully you'll come along with us for the ride. And uh, by the time we get back to actually going to events again, we will be absolutely flying. Let me tell you, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Don't know when that's going to be <laughs> right now, but. Um, it's going to be uh, 2021 is looking up and uh, hopefully uh, you'll follow it along with us on, on the Brit Pack. Sandu, what do people need to know? Well, it's easier than ever now because now you can just go to the BritPackMMA.com. Just go to the BritPackMMA.com and from there you can go everywhere. You can go to the Substack, you can go to Apple, Spotify, pick your poison. Everything's there. It's nice and centralized. Simon's done a fantastic job of uh, restarting the website so that's all good to go now so yeah just go to the BritPackMMA.com uh, to find us on social to find out find the show on the various platforms and if you do want to follow us on social media it's at the BritPackMMA on Twitter it's at Simon Head on Twitter and at Simon Head Sport on Instagram and if you want to follow me it's at Sandu MMA across the board Facebook Twitter and Instagram and for those of you that listen on Apple I say it every week but listen if you're if you're listening right now on Apple do me a favor, 
stop right now. It's the end of the show anyway, so you're gonna have to stop. But stop right now and give us a rate, give us a review. It really goes a long way in helping us get found on that particular platform. So that'd be much appreciated, much appreciated if you can do that for us. That would be that would be awesome. That's all we've got on the Brit Pack this week. A little bit quiet this week, but it is all gonna kick off in a major way as we uh, build up to a frantic end to 2020 starting next week. So uh, be sure to join us for next week's show. We will have much to discuss on the next edition of the Brit Pack. Enjoy the fights this weekend and we'll speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.